Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Uh, my name is Amos. I serve as one of the pastors here at the Village Church. And again, we want to welcome everybody out on today. Uh, if you are a guest today, uh, there are guest information cards located just outside the sanctuary doors in the narthex. Please fill out one and drop it in the basket. And we look forward to connecting with you. If you're one of the Village Church faithful and you see a person that you're not uh, necessarily familiar with, go ahead and uh, try to uh, you know, reach out to that person and uh, get them to fill out one of our connection cards. Um, our senior pastor, uh, Reverend Alex Shipman, continues his sabbatical. If you have questions or concerns, please contact the other elders and continue to keep uh, Alex and his family in prayers. I do want to remind you that our nursery is open today. Uh, so if you have small children that uh, you'd like to take into the nursery, that is uh, our gift to you. At the Village Church, we believe that giving uh, the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. And so you may give to the vision the vision and mission of the Village Church by using a link on our website, which is www.enterthevillage.net forward slash give. You can give by mailing a check to our church address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after the service, you can give by dropping your offering off, dropping your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Our women's ministry is collecting donations for First Stop this holiday season through December 12th. Donations may be dropped off at the church. Uh, see the flyer sent out in Flocknote for items needed or check firststop.org for more information. If you are interested in sending cards or letters to residents of a local nursing home for Christmas, Please have your letters, cards, or notes in by today <laughs> uh, to Dolores Lee. Uh, thank you in advance for those who plan to participate. Uh, there will be a women's ministry Christmas town hall on December 7th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. in the fellowship hall. Discussion concerning future women's ministry events. Cookies and hot chocolate will be served. Sounds good. Also, bring your donations for First Stop if you want. On December 8th, which is the second Wednesday of this month, corporate prayer will be at 8 p.m. via Zoom only. Thank you very much. These are our announcements. As always, govern yourselves accordingly. this time of our service. I hear these words from Psalm 141 as we um, enter a time of preparation and attending our, to our hearts and allowing the Spirit to prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Um, this, this passage is fairly new to me, um, or the Lord showed it to me last year. I'm so grateful for the imagery. It's about prayer. And it says, Oh Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifices. Well, I, I like incense. And so just that image of my prayers rising to heaven being a sweet savor to the Lord. I love that. And so I, I encourage you, us all, in these next few moments to send prayers to heaven 
um, that they may be received like sweet smelling savor of incense to the Lord.
never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it. Mount of God's redeeming love. Amen. 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 All right. (laughs) All right. We have a new song this morning, but I bet there are quite a few people in the room who are familiar with it. And it just encourages us to sing to the King.
Lighting a candle is a simple and yet profound act. It is a testimony to the power of light over darkness. As we light this second candle of Advent, we continue our journey to the birth of Christ. The second candle of Advent is called the Peace Candle. As we anticipate Christmas, let us remember the birth of our Prince of Peace. Let us remember that our need for a Savior to save us from our sins and give us peace with God. Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall seek, he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek. shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and the little child shall lead them the cow and the bear shall graze their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for all the earth shall be full in the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The word of the Lord.
There's something that's not on your program right now. I'm going to ask Austin and Elena O'Neill to come forward. Scheduling issues. They were not able to be here when we had new members join a week or two ago. They're going to take the membership vows today. And as we do, I got thinking this morning, as we do the membership vows, all you members have taken these vows at one point or another. <laughs> okay? It's a good time at the end of the year just to reflect on the vows you took and reaffirm those as we do this Hail from Chattanooga, New City Church, our sister church in Chattanooga. So we're glad to have them here. Answer these as appropriate. The five questions. They went through the membership class, interviewed by the elders. So here we go. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure, and without hope, save in his sovereign mercy? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and depend upon him alone for salvation? as he is offered in the gospel. Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as become the followers of Christ? Do you promise to serve Christ in his church by supporting and participating in this worship and work to the best of your ability? And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to further its purity and peace? Good. Let's welcome Elena and Austin O'Neill. Let me, let, me pray, let me pray for them. Father in heaven, thank you for Austin and Elena, for their journey in faith, uh, for their background, uh, a church like ours. I just pray that you would help them to be a real part of our fellowship here and our family as we welcome them, as they serve, as they decide, desire to uh, see your kingdom advanced also. Just pray that you would bless them, encourage them, and encourage our congregation as we grow in this way. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. now just join me in a word of prayer, supplication. Father in heaven, we've just sung recently the words of Emmanuel, God with us. We are glad that you kept your promise. Uh, you have come. You are with us. You indeed are Emmanuel. And you've promised not only to be, be with us, to be with us always, to never forsake us. And Father, we thank you for that promise. And the way you keep your promises. And Father, you've promised to return again. I really look forward to that. Uh, time of eternity with you. We don't understand what that all means. We know it's going to be a great time. It'll be something that we look forward to. And we'll be restored from the fallen world we're placed in right now, the broken world we're in. Uh, things will be different. Things will be healed. Things will all be restored anew by your grace and by your love. And Father, I just pray that you would... Uh, Use this Christmas time, this season of Advent, to help us reflect on how much we need you and how much we do not uh, see our need until you reveal that to us. Thank you for intervening in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, uh, in the situation we're placed in, Father. You've intervened and you've shown yourself to be true. You're faithful. Uh, the change of seasons indicates your faithfulness. Your promises that you fulfilled each uh, time we look in your word, we see promises that you've kept them. Uh, we can trust you. Help us this week to trust you more, to really rely on who you are and what you've done. Indeed, you are with us. For those who are recovering from uh, COVID and other illnesses, I pray that you would encourage them this week, heal their bodies. Uh, for those going through different kinds of treatments for different kinds of cancers and other diseases, Father, I just pray that you would bring about healing in your time and in your way. Use the doctors, use the nurses, uh, use whatever means you have, Father. You have all the means necessary to heal our bodies, to take care of us in a good way. Father, you provide for all our needs. You provide jobs, you provide <coughs> families, you provide resources for us. And Father, I just pray that you would use each of these things that you provide so bountifully, and which sometimes we're not real thankful for. But help us to reflect on the fact that you are faithful. You love us in your grace. You came and entered us, our neighborhood, to be with us, both now and forever. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I am super excited to see you all, to see your faces on this morning. And uh, happy to stand before you all this morning to once again proclaim God's word. Uh, the text that we will be looking at today has already been read. Isaiah, uh, or as our uh, Western European brothers and sisters would say, Isaiah, uh, chapter uh, 11, verses 1 through 9. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, let's go to our Lord uh, in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for another day to gather with our brothers and sisters to make much of you. Lord, we need you in this moment. We need you at all times, God. So, Spirit, I ask that you would move in a special way amongst us. Glorify the Son in the Father. Allow me to be a vessel uh, as I exult in you. Help me to exalt your name, Lord. God, we thank you. We ask that you would speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, O Lord, in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, we pray. Amen. I do want to begin by thanking uh, my brother and sister, the, the Swepstons, for doing our Advent reading today. Now, uh, y'all got two boys like me and my wife have two boys, and y'all are champions. I'm going to just let you know that right now, because uh, I could not imagine having done that with our two boys. So thank y'all for uh, being willing to serve our church that way. We are in the season of Advent. Advent is the time of year uh, when we reflect on the arrival of the promised Messiah. And as I get older, I'm not that old, I'm 33, but as I get older, uh, Advent season is quickly becoming my favorite time of year on the Christian liturgical calendar. Because I love giving and receiving gifts around the Christmas holiday. I love the look on my wife's and my son's faces as they open their gifts. I love the the fact that I get to spend time with family and friends. Uh, But my my brothers and sisters, Advent is much bigger than the giving and the receiving of of gifts on the Christmas holiday. We know that. Uh, It's not about the gifts that we give and receive, but it is about the gifts gift. It is about the gift who keeps on giving. And Advent is a celebration that God has not left us, his children, hopeless. It is a celebration that God is, in fact, a covenant-keeping and promise-keeping God. And so during Advent, we celebrate Jesus's fulfillment of past promises as we look forward to Jesus' fulfillment of his future promises in his second advent. And so today we are continuing our advent series entitled The Promise. What we're seeking to do in this series is to demonstrate how the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Old Covenant or Old Testament promises. Pastor Marcus, our dear brother, uh, began our series last week by unpacking uh, a promise. He unpacked what uh, uh, scholars call the Proto-Evangelium, which stands for the first gospel. I'm going to pat myself on the back because I said that exactly right. (laughs) And I'm, I'm terrible with Latin and Greek and Hebrew pronunciation, but I did okay just then. Uh, But the Proto-Evangelium 
stands for first gospel, and we find that in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. And uh, Brother Marcus showed us how the Lord Jesus is the seed of Eve. He is the seed of the woman who shall crush or who has crushed uh, the, the head of the serpent. And today we are going to look at the promise of a Davidic king who shall rule with righteousness and who shall judge with just justice. Uh, This righteous and just ruler who comes forth from the stump of Jesse uh, shall also bring eternal peace to the entire world. And so in our passage, we will see that the promise of Advent is the promise of a coming king who will be a righteous and just king and a bringer of peace or shalom. I got to say your name today. Probably say it a few times throughout the sermon today, shalom. Our world is a broken place. We know that. We can see it. It can be a dark place for a lot of people, and it is a dark place for many people. Uh, For many people, the world is just a hopeless place. And right now, as you and I sit in the relative safety of this building with functioning HVAC and minimal threats to our lives, there are Christians who can only meet in secrecy because of the threat of violence. There are men, women, and children who are going without food, who are going without clothing, who go without shelter. And most of us in this room are relatively healthy people, but the world is still under the threat of a deadly virus that has been with us for almost two years now. Daily, political instability and the threat of war burdens people who are already burdened with poverty and injustice. There are places in the world where a mosquito bite or a drink of water could mean death. Someone will spend Christmas, will spend the Advent season without family, without friends, and without food. Again, the world is a place and can be a place for a whole lot of people. It is a place of dreadful darkness. And it was into this same kind of brokenness and darkness that the prophet Isaiah prophesied the words in our passage today. My brothers and sisters, the the Davidic kingdom, I'm going to take you to seminary for a second. (laughs) The Davidic kingdom had been split into two with Israel being in the north and Judah in the south. Now these two nations of people who were blood relatives who descended from Abraham were at conflict with one another. Also in similar but distinct ways, both of these nations were under the oppressive hand of the Assyrian Empire. Israel in the north had been attacked by Assyria And war had destroyed and decimated much of the land, and their living conditions were continuing to deteriorate. Now, although Judah, the kingdom in the south, and Assyria were allies, Judah was under heavy taxation by the Assyrian Empire. And the situation was made worse in both Israel and in Judah, Because unjust rulers sat on the thrones of both nations. The poor and the needy were oppressed and their situation, not much unlike many of the people who live today, their situation was hopeless. But again, into the darkness of this situation, the prophet Isaiah comes with a message of hope. Let's look at verse number one. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now, I want to pause real quick. I've got three pages of notes. I'm already on page two. 
So if you plan on saying amen, you better get with me right now. (laughs) So the hope that Isaiah gives to the people of God is the hope that God has not abandoned his promise. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13, the Lord, Yahweh, promised King David that he would establish the throne of David. He would establish the Davidic kingdom forever. Isaiah retells this promise in our passage to demonstrate that despite the threat of war, And despite the unjust regime that was in power, it is God who is in control. Now, King Ahaz, King King Ahaz is the the king of Judah during the time of Isaiah's prophecy here. Now, Ahaz was an unfit king. And so instead of trusting in God's promise to protect his people from their enemies, King Ahaz trusted in alliances with powerful kingdoms. Now, an alliance with uh, Assyria, who was uh, a a superpower at the time, seemed like a good idea until it wasn't. (laughs) And so let me just pause right here and, and, and say to you all, my brothers and sisters, be very careful who you align yourselves with. Be careful. Be very, very careful who you call a friend, because all money ain't good money. And not everybody has your best interest in mind when you partner with them. And so again, my brothers and sisters, that was for free. Uh, But Ahaz uh, was an unfit king. Second Kings chapter six, chapter 16, verse three tells us that Ahaz was so corrupt that he had his own son burned as an offering. This was an evil man. But although an unjust ruler occupied the throne during the time that Isaiah was prophesying, the Lord had plans to raise up a king who would reign in righteousness and justice. Notice that the passage says that a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Now, I don't have time to go back and cover it all, but Isaiah has been using trees symbolically throughout the book of Isaiah. And in our passage, it is used to represent what appears to be a dead situation. A stump is a dead tree. There's nothing left but a stump. The threat of war and oppression was knocking at Judah's door. And, and King Ahaz was unfit to serve as king. So God's promise of an everlasting Davidic kingdom appears to be in jeopardy. It appears to be a dead situation. But from what appears to be a dead situation, a life-giving shoot will arise and bear fruit. The shoot springing from the stump is a picture of hope. It is a picture of hope that life is still there and there is life giving life. So my brothers and sisters, what this tells me, what this encourages me is is that it shows us that God can bring life out of any dead situation. If God in Ezekiel 37 can cause an army of dead, dry bones Uh, To breathe the breath of life again, God can bring life to any dead situation. If God can raise the Lord Jesus from the dead, then he can bring life where there seems to be nothing but death. And some of us right now, my brothers and sisters, in our lives, we have uh, situations that appear to be dead. Perhaps. Your dead situation is a relationship with a loved one. Perhaps it's a dead-end job. But my brothers and sisters, again, I want to let you know that there is hope in God who causes dead things to live again. The entire Bible is the story of the triune God bringing life back to us, his children, through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the prophet Isaiah is helping us to see how God promised to bring forth life into this broken situation. This promised shoot from the stump of Jesse will not be a king like Ahaz. Look at verse number two. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon this branch from the root of Jesse. Meaning the spirit of the Lord will remain with him. It will dwell with him. It will not depart from him. And the spirit of God will, the spirit of the Lord will manifest itself in the life of this Davidic king in three ways. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So this Davidic king will be wise, meaning that he will be characterized by his capacity to judge rightly. He will be understanding, meaning he will have the ability to discern the heart of an issue. He will possess the spirit of counsel, meaning he will be able to rightly advise people in light of the wisdom he possesses. This king will be mighty, which points to his prerogative and his ability to carry out his will. And this king will also have an intimate and special relationship with Yahweh, which goes beyond having a simple intellectual assent to the reality reality of God. Rather, this intimate knowledge will result in a reverence and respect for God. In other words, what Isaiah is showing us here is that this king will be everything that Ahaz is supposed to be, and he will be everything that King David was and more. Because the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon the Davidic king, he will rule righteously. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. and With the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Reverence for God will be the light, will be the delight of this king. This is in contrast to other rulers who put faith and reverence in God's little g, who cannot see and who cannot hear. These words would have stirred up hope in those who trusted in the word of the Lord. Because this king will not be fooled by the optics. Because he will have the spirit of understanding. This is good news to those who suffer oppression and marginalization. Because there is one coming who cannot be deceived and who cannot be bribed. He cannot be fooled. And this king will be passionate about equity and justice. He will deal justly with those who need mercy, but he will not allow the unjust to go unpunished. This reminds me of uh, Exodus 34, where uh, Yahweh descended in the cloud to his servant Moses, and he proclaimed the name of the Lord, saying, Uh, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Our God is a righteous God, a just God, and he will by no means clear the guilty. The unjust will not go unpunished. And verse 5 tells us that righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This means that 
this king, this, this king, this coming king will be clothed in righteousness. Everything that he does will be characterized by righteousness and faithfulness. So the coming of this Davidic king will also, not only will it bring justice and righteousness, but it will also bring everlasting and eternal peace. Let's look at verses 6 through 8. And this, this one just this blows my mind. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, my brothers and sisters, it is obvious that the world is not like that. Obvious. The world is not like this. There are snake charmers and there are folks. (laughs) Lord, forgive me. (laughs) And there are folks who use scorpions and rattlesnakes in their worship services. But that ain't what Isaiah has in mind here. Because all of the animals listed here are beasts that, that don't normally dwell together unless it's lunchtime. Isaiah is prophesying that there is a day coming when creation will be as it was pre-fall in the Garden of Eden. Tim Keller refers to this as the re-edening of creation. There is a threefold restoration and reconciliation that will happen because of the advent of this coming Davidic king. Man's relationship with God will be restored. Man's relationship with man will be restored. And man's relationship with nature will also be restored. So through this Davidic king, God is going to redeem the entire cosmos to its pre-fall Edenic state. Now last week we heard from uh, Pastor Marcus that uh, because the serpent deceived Eve, he would put enmity between uh, the, the, the serpent and the seed of the woman. He would put uh, enmity between the, uh, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. But Watch what happens here. Watch the reversal here. Even the relationships with the serpent will be restored. There will no longer be enmity between the serpent and the seed of the woman. But the seed of the woman will play over over the whole of the serpent. The evil one will no longer be able to misuse creation as he did when he misused the serpent because this cosmic king, this just and righteous king will permanently restore the earth to an Eden-like state. My brothers and sisters, I long to see that day. So Isaiah ends the passage by writing that no one will hurt or destroy in all God's holy mountain. Let's look at verse number 9. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. My brothers and sisters, there won't be any war. There won't be any conflict Unjust kings and rulers will never have power again. The poor will no longer be denied justice. The meek will no longer be oppressed. And it won't be because of anything that earthly rulers do. It won't be because the principles of capitalism or socialism or communism or any other ism governed the economy. 
It won't be because we voted the right person into office. It won't be because of anything any other political entity can do. It will be because the whole earth shall be filled with the intimate knowledge of the Lord. Which means that the same spirit which dwells in the king will dwell in those who inhabit his holy mountain. Can you see the, 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 the Trinitarian thrust of this passage? All three persons of the Trinity are at work to bring about the salvation and peace for the beloved people of God. My brothers and sisters, do you long to see that day? There's a hymn that says, Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory let my life let me lift my voice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice this is the hope that the advent season gives to the church this passage captures the spirit of advent it helps us to take hope in the true promises of God. Just in case you didn't get it, I'll make it clear. The Lord Jesus is the king. He is the just and righteous ruler. He is the shoot. He is the stump from Jesse. And my brothers and sisters, he has secured this peace for, this shalom for us, his beloved children. This passage is a, is a reminder. It serves as a reminder to us that God is bringing life to the world, to a broken world, through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. The Father in heaven, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for what Advent means for us, your children. We can take hope, we can trust and have faith in the covenant-keeping God. But we thank you that you continue to prove yourself strong, to prove yourself just who your word says you are. And God, we look forward to the day that we will dwell in your presence forever and ever and ever and ever. There will be no more crying. There will be no more dying. There will be no more sickness, no more pain. That is what the Advent points us to. And we take hope in that. Despite the brokenness that we see behind us, Lord, we trust in you. We put our hope and our faith in you because we know that there's a day that is coming that there will be no more injustice there will be no more oppression there will be no more unjust kings because we will gaze upon the king of kings and the lord of lords and live with him forever God we thank you that that is a true reality that we can look forward to it is in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit that I do pray amen Please stand with me.
to thank you all for being here this morning and uh, pray that you all will have safe travels to your destinations. Uh, but now receive the Lord's benediction to his beloved people. Another promise. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Go in grace. Thank you.